welcome to the conversation. This podcast is produced by QSource as part of Medicare's quality improvement organization efforts to share information, educate clinical staff, and encourage improvement through best practices. Each episode discusses a topic that is timely and applicable to you, your staff, and your patients. In this episode, the conversation is about minority health, COVID-19, and the stigma around vaccination within the minority communities, primarily the African-American and Hispanic Latino population. Quality Improvement Specialist Kathy Ray leads a conversation with Reverend Tanya Smith, Associate Minister of Allen Temple AME Church in Marion, Indiana, and Executive Director of Minority Health Coalition. Smith has served for 23 years in Grant County, promoting healthier lifestyles and keeping the community abreast of emerging health issues. Now, let's get the conversation started. So we are so thankful to have you with us today. And we want to learn more about your role in Grant County and also what we can take away from some personal experiences that you have had um, in your work there and in your church. So I will pass it off to you to kind of get us started on what it is that you are actively doing right now in Grant County. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yes, I am uh, Tanya Smith. Uh, the executive director of the Minority Health Coalition. Uh, I also serve as the associate minister at the Allen Temple AME Church here in Marion, Indiana. Um, So I have a dual role in this community, um, and I feel blessed to have that. Um, What we do here at the Minority Health Coalition is advocate on behalf of individuals who have um, issues uh, with speaking with their doctors and um, getting to physicians and things of that nature. And we also have programs and services that educate the community um, on uh, preventable health conditions. Also, um, we have blood screenings, health fairs, and anything regarding health, uh, we're usually at the table. Our target population is the minority community. However, everyone uh, is available to come and uh, take part in whatever activities we have going on. The educational services that you mentioned, um, can you talk just a little bit more in detail of what that looks like? Yes, we have diabetes programs, um, nutrition programs for youth and adults. Um, Our diabetes program, um, it it entails um, prediabetes. Uh, to help people prevent going into full diabetes. Um, uh, Those educational services are offered. um, This is a yearly program, the pre-diabetes program. Um, We do have a nurse practitioner that comes in, and she uh, does a shorter version of a diabetes program. There's a difference in the two with being pre-diabetic and those that are actually diabetic. Um, They both can serve the same purpose and help uh, those that have diabetes kind of stay on track. But those that are pre-diabetic, those people are the ones that we're trying to keep from getting uh, full-on diabetes. Um, With the nutrition program that we offer, that program uh, is for the youth um, the, the adults are uh, welcome to come as, as well. Uh, it's called Eat, Play, Grow. 
Um, it helps families learn how to read nutrition labels, learn how to get exercise in, and just the importance of good health all around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about the community that you're serving. Um, are they mainly urban, rural? What does that look like? Grant um, County? County is a mixture. Um, okay. There is, uh, according to, I believe, the last census, we had about 69,000 uh, serving uh, people that we that are in this community. The minority population is about roughly 6,000 uh, members in this community. That includes African-American and Hispanic Latino. There's about uh, just about 2% Asian population here as well. So, okay. And then do you have like satellite offices around or are you the main point of contact? Um, for, for Grant County, I'm the main point of contact. Okay. Um, there is coalition set up all across uh, the state. And okay. the Indiana Minority Health Coalition in Indianapolis, Indiana, is our parent organization. Okay, okay. perfect. Um. So do you have, when you mentioned a dual role, do you find yourself in a position of educating the congregation maybe at the same time that you're working in your coalition work groups? Yes, they, make me, they yeah. make me come to church <laughs> and, and uh, educate them on different um, preventable illness. Um, okay. We have had screenings there. Um, okay. We use the fellowship hall often. Uh, at the church to uh, present the programs and um, presentations. We do a lot of health presentations. Um, I'm generally on my Facebook page um, more often now than usual because we have not been able to come into the office due to COVID. Um, And so when COVID was really, it's still out there, Mm -hmm. but when um, the death rate was high, um, we were not allowed to go into the office. So everything we did was on the Internet. So if you go to our Minority Health Coalition of Grant County Facebook page, you'll see my big face on the screen. <laughs> you'll see me on the screen um, educating the community through our um, health presentations and kind of keeping them abreast of the COVID um, situation here in Grant County. That's wonderful. And we share a lot of information from the CDC. Uh, we like more reputable sites to share information from so that we know that the people that are uh, interacting with us are getting uh, pretty sound information. We also share from the National Institutes of Health, um, the Di- American Diabetes Association, American Heart Association, the Cancer Association, and we have our own uh, cancer services of Grant County here that we uh, also work with and partner with as well. Okay. When we talk about COVID, I'm, I'm curious um, how that has impacted your work when, it, when you talk about community work and community education and trying to get that information out there. Um, what kind of avenues are you taking? I know you have to be real creative when it comes to that kind of thing. And then are you hearing any vaccine hesitancy across your congregation or across your communities? That It's funny that you ask that. We just set up a vaccination clinic on the second and third at the church. 
Okay. Um, we had, uh, we didn't have a huge turnout. And yes, there is a lot of hesitancy, uh, in the African American community. Um, unfortunately, uh, the vaccinations are not something that they're going to run to. A lot of the older of the population did get vaccinated. Um, a lot of our elderly, but some of our, uh, age groups are listening to what they hear about, uh, the Tuskegee experiment. And so you have to come back and let them know that medicine has come a long way mm-hmm. <laughs> since the Tuskegee experiment. But then there's others that you have to contend to with that says, um, when it's my time to go, that's when the Lord will take me. But they need to understand that God has charged us to be good stewards over our bodies as well. So um, that's something that I have to come back with. And it's it's unfortunate that you have this tussle. Uh, you feel like you're with a tightrope, uh, with a rope, and you're pulling one way and they're pulling the other with their response and you're pulling back, you know. So that's that's how it feels. But yeah. because of my position here, I try not to um, use a use the godly term on them unless we're in, on church grounds. Gotcha. Then I let yeah. them know <laughs> that yep. there's a difference. But I can still help them understand that medicine has come a long way mm-hmm. um, and that when we were younger, we got vaccinated before we were going to school. And while we were in school, we had to have follow-up shots. So um, mm-hmm. it's, it's there's different ways to try to encourage people. We've had a um, webinar in this community on um, vaccination, hesitancy, and, and, tr- and trying to encourage others to get vaccinated um it's it's difficult but we're trying to make some good strides and i think we've done pretty good yeah it sounds like it do you have any like best practices that work really well let's say for instance you've got a a young person that's had or an older person that's had the vaccine are they able to kind of use their testimony and their experience to to kind of talk to others and see if they can persuade them or educate them? Yeah, that's what we did with the webinar. Um, We've had um, people that had actually went through COVID, the COVID experience, um, and um, we had them speak to to that, not only having COVID, but also getting vaccinated as well and why they would get vaccinated. Um, Our next steps... Uh, are to get the youth that have been vaccinated involved in a webinar so that they can put it on Instagram because their, their mode is Instagram, yeah. Twitter, places like that. Right. Whereas Facebook, they're not, there's not a lot of them that, uh, use Facebook as often as they use Instagram. Uh, I hear Instagram more than anything. So I have younger, uh, sons who I have to <laughs> encourage them as well because the uh, rate has increased here mm-hmm. uh, in regard to uh, uh, the COVID uh, virus infecting our young people, 20 to 29 years old. And then the 50 to 59 year old are catching up with the 20 to 29 year olds. And our elderly population is starting to decrease uh, heavily since the vaccinations um, have occurred. 
And I've noticed, too, it's the 20 to 29-year-olds and the 50 to 59-year-olds that I'm having more trouble convincing to get the vaccination as well. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the younger folks, do you do any partnering with the schools or um, uh, let's say youth groups or those after-school youth programs, any potential for education on the vaccines through the schools at all? Well, there's potential for us. I don't okay. know what the school okay. is doing in reference to vaccinations, but we do have, I have a tobacco uh, coordinator here, Aslan nice. uh, Whitaker, who is uh, going into the schools to just talk about vaping and things like that. Right. And then that's just an avenue that we can use to try to get the information in about vaccination. They welcome it. It's not that they don't welcome it, but there's different approaches that we can take uh, in order to get that information out. At this point, we're trying to, because the children are getting ready to go back in August, we're trying to set these clinics up to make sure that those parents are, for those that want their child vaccinated, they have the opportunity. And it's right in, the church is located in uh, the neighborhood where a lot of the predominantly black uh, people live. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're able to reach out in, in that aspect as well. Okay. Hopefully we'll get them encouraged enough to come in to get vaccinated. Right. So real quick with COVID and then we can move on. Have Mm -hmm. you noticed in your community or your neighborhood or congregation any adverse reactions of social isolation or mental health issues that have come up uh, with COVID? Have you noticed any of those Very, very little uh, isolation, very little. Um, But for the most part, most people are like we have parking lot praise where our church uh, has worship service in the parking lot every first Sunday because people need that touch. Yes, because it's um, and the majority are older congregation. um, uh, They come out and. it's a for them. It's it's a one of their best social hours, mm-hmm. and they have the opportunity to sit in their cars and while we worship, and they get to hear the service. But at the end of service, everybody gets out of their cars, of course, do the fist bump and all yeah. that get to talk to each other. <laughs> They're not boxing yes. out there. They're actually <laughs> practicing social distancing. <laughs> so it's it's been a treat. That has been a treat. That is so creative. What a wonderful approach. I love it. Do you share any of these wonderful ideas with your neighborhoods and with your broader audience? Yes, we make sure that we, um, our parent company, we all share our um, our experiences every Tuesday. I'm usually on a conference call every Tuesday at 11. Um, we have a conference call with all of the coalitions and uh, with the parent company, and we share what all of us are doing in the community. And just it's been a great learning experience because um, there's a good thing that came out of COVID uh, is that uh, as collaborators across the state, 
we uh, collaborate with each other, but we hardly get to see each other only at trainings. Mm -hmm. And uh, this has afforded us the opportunity to talk to each other about issues and things that we're facing in the community and just a time to just share. So we do that every uh, Tuesday at 11. Mm -hmm. Great. So when we talk about the diabetes program, um, just real quick, do you work with the food pantries across Grant County and maybe extenuating counties on those, getting those, um, that diabetic education out there for folks that maybe not can't get to a grocery store, but they use the Dollar General as their grocery store or they use the local corner store and trying to get them to understand nutritional value in food? Yes, we reach out to um, every part of this community that we can that we can reach. Um, and uh, the programs are free. So they don't have to go necessarily go to the hospital and pay for a nutrition class um, because we pay um, someone to come in, like a nurse practitioner will come in. Uh, we may have a doctor that wants to come in and speak to them as well. And all the services are provided free uh, to the community. So there's really not an excuse for okay. anyone to say, you know, I can't afford this. Um, so and sometimes we have the hospital uh, refer people to us that are not able to afford uh, specific programs. And we do one-on-one -on -one, uh, programs as well for those who don't want to sit in a big setting uh, or like a classroom setting. We offer one-on-one -on -one as well. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. Are there any challenges um, for people of color in, in your neighborhood and community to seek help or support from you? or other providers? Do you see any major challenges? Um, one of the challenges that I know for certain is that African-Americans tend to want to see another person of color taking care of them. Okay. Um, because, uh, and it's not a stigma thing, it's just the fact that some of our white counterparts have not learned how to take care of the African-American body. And we only know that because when we do go to the doctor and we talk to them about different illness that's affecting us and how we've treated ourselves and how we take care of ourselves, mm -hmm. they are not privy to that for some reason. They haven't gotten the education uh, to say, okay, this is how I'm going to treat you. If I take you off of this pill, this will happen for you. There's some medications that African Americans simply cannot take. And so therefore we need to learn what medications are the best medicines for African Americans. There's just a whole different diet and mm -hmm. everything that, uh, it entails a lot. And so that's why a lot of African Americans prefer to see a physician that looks like them. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge here is that we don't have <laughs> many that look like us in this community. Okay. Yeah, that's wow, probably the biggest challenge. That's okay. probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. And then um, when we look at, uh, now we're looking at uh, maternal mortality. Uh, and misogyny. 
Um, um, we have been dealing with uh, women who are dying at the hands of their own physician because the physician is not listening to the woman uh, tell them what is going on with them. They're not hearing it and the, the women are dying. Uh, right after they have their babies uh, due to just them simply not listening to what is being said. And it's happening more with the um, Caucasian uh, white doctor versus the black or African-American female. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's something that we're looking at now, uh, even through our legislators to uh, get some policy and get some bills crafted uh, for that purpose. Thank you for joining the conversation. If you found this conversation of interest, we encourage you to join the conversation by visiting us online at qsource.org slash conversation podcast. The conversation was produced by QSource, the Quality Innovation Network Quality Improvement Organization for Indiana under a contract with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Content does not necessarily reflect CMS policy.